Today we've got a revenge so severe that a person doesn't believe in best friends anymore. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, boyfriend broke up with me, so I trashed his fancy apartment. The concept of love is one of the strangest things that everyone in the world has to encounter at one time in his or her lifetime. It's crazy that as much as the word love comes as the best feeling in the world, like butterflies in your stomach, it also comes with a whole lot of hurt and pain. And while some people close their hearts to love after their first or second heartbreak, there are some true believers nay, hardcore believers that are strongly inclined to the fact that there is a the one out there, and all we had to do was find them, even if that meant going through lots and lots of people and encountering a boatload of hurt. There's a lot of times when you split up with a person on good terms, when the relationship doesn't work, but more often than not, you guys split up on the worst of terms. The latter was the case with me and Andrew. The dude decided that I wasn't good enough for him anymore, after I totally changed his lifestyle by helping him get a big contract with a friend. That wasn't even the worst part. He replaced me immediately with someone more fitting to his current lifestyle. There wasn't much I could do about it, so I settled for trashing his fancy apartment. But let's not jump to the end. Let me tell you how I met Andrew. When I was a teenager, the only thing I could see myself doing as a career was painting. I used to spend every waking hour practicing my craft and honing my skill, and I have to say, I was good. I represented my high school in a statewide art competition twice, and I came out fourth the first time, and second the second time. It was just something that came naturally to me, and I could die happy after living a fulfilled life as an artist. But unfortunately, my parents had other plans. Even after seeing what a gifted artist I was, my father still decided that I had to go to college to study business, so I could take over his hedge fund company when he retires. This might sound like the best offer anyone could get, right? A fancy job that guarantees 7-8 to eight figures yearly? Well, I grew up in money, so take it from me, no amount of money could buy your happiness. Well, I won't lie, it would seem nice for a while, but after that, it would make you want to pull your eyes out, and even the money would seem to annoy you. Anyways, my dad had spoken, and at the time, all I'd wanted was his approval, so there was no way I was going to go against his wishes. I went to business school, and I was surprisingly good at that too, even though I hated every single part of it. During my final year of business school, I was going through a goth slash punk phase, and that was when I stopped caring about my dad's approval. I didn't drop out though, I was already a few weeks away from graduating, so what's the use? I graduated from business school, and when my father expected that I was going to come back home and take up the position he'd prepared for me, I didn't come back home. Instead, I decided to go to New York to enroll in art school. My dad stopped speaking to me after I made the decision, but I didn't care. I stuck to it and I learned as much as I could. I also made some pretty great friends there. During my final year, money was getting pretty tight and I couldn't afford to stay alone anymore, so I started to live with my best friend Shauna. Shauna was a digital artist and we got along pretty well. Anyways, after graduation was when the main struggle began. Making a living as an artist was harder than you'd expect. It was as though I was totally responsible for the income I get. And at the same time, the amount of income I get is out of my hands. I didn't have any connection to big art galleries and all I could do was post my paintings online. 
and start something like a community. But as I said, it wasn't easy. Those things take time. And here I was, broke and all, owing a month's worth of rent. I couldn't call my dad because all he would say was, I told you so. So instead, I got a job at McDonald's. At least till I got my big break. I didn't have to wait long. Three months after I started flipping burgers, I got a notification from an account I'd never heard of before. He followed me on Instagram and sent a message saying he loved the last painting upload I made and that he'd like to see more of my work. At first, I thought it was a scam, because how often do things like that happen? It was just too random for me to believe, but eventually my curiosity got the better of me. I convinced myself that he only wanted more pictures, so what was the harm in that? I took a picture of a painting I was working on, and he was just blown away. He immediately wanted to buy the painting as soon as it was done, and that wasn't all. He had a friend that had connections in an art gallery. They were holding an exhibition in a few months, and he wanted me to put my work up there. I was beyond thrilled, and when I told Shauna, she went crazy with joy. That night, I couldn't sleep. Because, yeah, the art museum was all I'd been dreaming about since I was little. But now that it was real, there was a chance that it won't go as expected. You're putting yourself out there for the vultures, which are the critics, to pick on. What they have to say could make or break you. It was really scary putting myself out there like that. And at one point, I almost decided to not go through with it. I wanted it to just remain a dream forever, so I won't ruin the memories of it all. But eventually I decided that, what if I was as good as I thought I was? I wouldn't know if I didn't try. So I decided to push forward with the exhibition. And by God, that was the best decision I had made in my entire life. The critics loved me, loved my work, and even compared it with some of the big names in the industry. That day, I sold more artwork at the auction than I sold in my five months of painting. The only bad thing that happened that day, which... I actually thought was a good thing at the time, was that was the day I met Andrew. The auction was already over, and I was supervising the museum guys as they wrapped the artworks I sold when he walked up beside me. I haven't even turned to look at him, but he made a cheesy Van Gogh joke, and it sent me laughing. I turned to the side to comment on the joke, but as I laid my eyes on him, I was speechless. My god, he was handsome. Jet black hair, flawless olive skin, hazel eyes, and the best smile I've seen since my high school sweetheart, Barry Hawthorne. I tried introducing myself, but he told me he already knew who I was and that he was a big fan of my work. That guy just knew the right things to say. He introduced himself as Andrew and told me that he was an architect. I found that really cool and the fact that he talked with a British accent. Although I'd always known that he was faking the accent, I loved it anyway. We spent the next hour in the lobby talking about renaissance art, and when I checked my phone, saw 12 missed calls from Shauna. We were supposed to go to a club later that evening to celebrate, so I thanked Andrew for his time and told him I had to be somewhere. He looked kind of disappointed, which made me kind of happy. Then he asked for my number and left. I got to the club and found Shauna and some of my art school buddies celebrating the big step I took that day in the art world. While they talked and laughed, my mind wasn't fully in the club. I was thinking about Andrew, the handsome architect. Shauna noticed immediately and after snapping my attention back a few times, she excused herself from the group and dragged me along with her. 
She started to probe me on what was wrong and even though I didn't want to tell her what happened, she was like a dog with a bone whenever she thought something was wrong with her friends. She didn't let it go. Not for one second. Eventually I told her about him and she was excited for me. It was really big news because she knew I hadn't liked anyone that way since high school and because of that I never dated. Not in business school, not in art school. She was so excited that she told all of our friends as soon as we joined them back at the table. They had lots of questions naturally and even though I couldn't answer a lot of them, seeing that I only just met the guy a few hours ago. Anyways, I went home and I lay on my bed staring at the ceiling and wishing that my phone would ring. I just really wanted to talk to him again and get to know him better. Plus, I wasn't feeling sleepy. There was no better time. He didn't call me that night, but he did the next night. We talked on the phone for a while and he asked if I'd like to get dinner with him the next day. I said yes, and it was a date. I know I've said this before, but I haven't dated in a while. I haven't gone on an actual date like ever. Even with high school Barry Hawthorne, the highest we went was the cinema, which was just an avenue to suck face in the covers of darkness. Anyways, Shauna got me covered. She loaned me a dress and everything, and I went on my big date. That date turned out to be the most fun I've had with a guy in a long time. By the end of it, he walked me home, pointing out the historic landmarks in the city and telling me who built them in the year. I found it cute that he loved architecture so much. It reminded me of myself and the love I have for art, which made me sacrifice so much to live my dream. And so the night was perfect. After I told Shauna every single detail of the date, I played out the date in my mind again as I lay on my bed. I started to see some tiny characters that should have sparked my red alert but didn't. The way he talked harshly to the waiter when they served the wrong French wine. The way he talked about how low class the restaurant was. And even how he looked at my dress when I first arrived. It was as though he was displeased. I shrugged off my thought. I felt like it was probably the defense mechanisms in my mind trying to make me scared of going all the way with Andrew, so I didn't listen to it. Over the next few months, we continued going out together and those characters were beginning to get even clearer. It was obvious that he was a pretentious snob, but I didn't care at the time. I was having so much fun with Andrew and I hadn't felt that way in a long time. But the time when it got really obvious was when I convinced Andrew to go on a double date with Shauna and her boyfriend Joe, who was working in banking. This was the first time Shauna would be meeting Andrew, and I wanted it to be perfect because they were the two most important people in my life at the time. But it was far from perfect. As soon as Andrew opened his mouth to speak, I could tell from the way Shauna stared at him that she hated his guts. I mean, I would have hated him too if I didn't love him so much, with all his jerkiness. Shauna called me to the side one time and asked me point blank, what was I doing with him? Then she made a list of everything wrong with him and I have to say, it was a pretty long list. But the most important ones being that he was an arrogant jerk who thought he was better than everybody else because he knew a few Italian poems and French wines. She told me flatly that it wasn't going to work, but stupid as I was, I told her I was willing to try. We started dating officially a few weeks after that, and since then, it all started to go downhill. Andrew liked to point out all my weaknesses and mistakes, and he never for once made me feel like I was doing anything right. 
It was as though I was with my dad all over again, and like my dad, the more he rejected me, the more I wanted his approval. One time, Shauna mentioned a project about a new bank headquarters that her boyfriend was in charge of overseeing. He was looking for an architect to oversee the project. I immediately told Shauna to help me convince her boyfriend to give Andrew the job. She didn't like the idea one bit, but I was finally able to convince her. I also called Andrew and told him about the opportunity, and naturally he was very excited about it. The next few days later, he made a pitch to Joe's company, and they loved him. They gave him the job. I expected that Andrew would show some appreciation after I helped him get the job, but he didn't even say as much as a thank you. Instead, he stopped picking up my calls and replying to my texts. Whenever I was able to get a hold of him, he would give some half-hearted excuses that he was busy with the new project. Also, his complaints about me started getting even harsher, talking about me being crude, uncultured, wild. I had the feeling that he was trying to get rid of me, but I didn't want to jump to conclusions. I didn't have to. A few days later, I went to visit his apartment and I was told that he had moved away. He didn't tell me anything about him moving, so I tried calling him, but as usual I couldn't reach him. I hadn't been to his office before because he was always talking about boundaries and stuff, so I didn't know the address. But I called Shauna's boyfriend Joe, and since he'd been there once or twice, he knew the address. I went to his office only for his co-workers to tell me that he had gone out for lunch with his girlfriend. Hold on, what? I asked if he knew the address and he gave it to me. I stormed over there and when I confronted Andrew, he pulled me to the side and told me to my face that he couldn't continue our relationship because I didn't meet his standards. That was just the short version, the summary of it all. I had to leave the restaurant before the tears came gushing out of my eyes. I didn't even wait to examine the stuck up witch he left me for. I hadn't felt pain like that with anyone else. Not my father, not my high school ex-boyfriend. I'd always thought of myself as emotionally adjusted, but I couldn't stop crying for the next three weeks. In the fourth week, Shauna had had enough. She decided that we were going to make him pay for what he did to me. So that same day, we drove to his office, and when it was the end of the day, he got into his car and drove home with us following closely behind. When we knew it was his new apartment, we camped outside for the night. Then, when he went to work the next day, we went to it. We could guess his apartment number from the window we saw him through the day before, so we went right up. Shauna picked the lock, and we got into his new fancy apartment. An apartment was paid for with the money he got from the project I helped him get. I walked into his room and picked up his baseball bat, and without a word, I started to smash everything that looked expensive in the house. When we were satisfied, we dropped the bat and walked out of there as if nothing happened. We wore baseball caps and we were careful not to let our faces show in the CCTV in the hallway, and we went home. I didn't hear from Andrew after the incident, so I guess that they don't know who did it. And even if they finally figure it out, I don't really care. Smashing his things had finally given me the closure I needed, and I could finally move on. I feel like it's pretty easy for them, even if the CCTV doesn't show your face, for them to assume it was you, because who else would do that? But I suppose you got plausible deniability. Our next story is, why I don't believe in best friends. To be honest, I never thought I would be at loggerheads with the person I ever called the best friend. 
Our friendship was pristine and we were what others called a match made in heaven. That was funny because we weren't in any romantic relationship. Still, I enjoyed the hashtag anyway. Daniel, Danny for short, and I were born and raised in the cheerful city of Plymouth, Massachusetts. Growing up was exactly how it was meant to be for us. We played in the snow, had KFC Chicken and Quantum, we had a PS2 game just for the both of us, snuck out to the park and attended parties together, and all of the laughter we shared in between. It was hard to accept that Danny wasn't going to be my best friend forever when I realized that he'd grown up with so much envy in his heart. On the day I said goodbye, I made him realize that I would never believe in friendship again. Before everything began to fall apart, Danny was like the brother I never had. No one tried to bully us in elementary school and high school. He was stronger than I was, and he was what I called the defender of the week. He was strong for the both of us. Once, when we played football on the pitch, someone intentionally knocked me down just so he could score a goal. Danny didn't see it as an accidental act. He was so tensed up that he almost threw a few punches out at him. I had to restrain him quickly because violence was going to get us suspended from the school's football team. I felt truly pleased that I had someone to stand up for me. I loved Danny and I knew he loved me too. During the course of our time together, many people tried to hamper the smooth sailing of our friendship. I hated the bullies that had tried to make my life a living heck and it was worse because I was an outstanding student in high school. It wasn't unusual to see me at the podium during prize-giving events, receiving awards, accolades, and recognitions. Sometimes, I wished I could just be bright without getting all the attention, but it was obvious that success comes with a lot of crowns. It was ironic that the more accolades I got, the more bullies I attracted. It was quite a lot for me at that time, but Danny stood up for me eagerly. Although he was an average student, I knew he could be more than that if he put in more effort but I liked that he appreciated me for loving the books. I thought we complimented each other so well. What was oblivious to me was that some of the enemies I garnered on my path to success had been feeding his fragile mind with venom or maybe he chose to turn his back against me because he'd always wanted to do so. The venom was strong enough to destroy not just me, but the friendship we'd built in all weathers. I didn't know which hurt more seeing my best friend turn into a stranger in the blink of an eye, or seeing him turn into an antagonist and playing the role so well as if he'd always been one. I ought not to have seen his past imperfections as we grew up, but I did anyway. On several occasions, he'd show me that he had a fickle heart that could be easily manipulated, but I felt what he had in physical prowess he lacked in character. I remember how we saved up some dollars to purchase our first iPhone. I'd given him all the money I had on me so he could purchase mine for me since I was going on a short trip with my parents. I was surprised to get back home to no iPhone. All the explanation he gave was how he got accosted by some street boys and robbed of all the money. I was shocked to see that he had acquired an expensive gadget with our money, a gadget we both admired from afar. I didn't make too much of the whole scenario even when I ought to. I had shrugged it off innocently. When I met the love of my life in high school, it was Danny who gave me the balls to approach her. Alberta was the sinosure of all eyes. She was easy to spot as she was a brainy, intelligent, and stunning blonde hair beauty. The first day my hazel eyes locked with her blue eyes, I knew my heart was going to be at her mercy for a long, long time. 
I didn't know why my courage failed me to approach her because, to be honest, I was a ladies guy. I'd heard many girls use the word spec to describe me. Instead of me seeing myself as one, I would chuckle wondering if I was a spec or what that meant. When I told Danny that my heart has finally met the one who would make it beat faster, he was very elated to hear that. I had never talked about any girl in that manner, and I was surprised to hear myself say sweet words to Alberta without flopping. I remember how Danny organized my first date with Alberta, and how he asked me if I kissed her yet. It was funny that I felt Alberta would consider me a weirdo or even a nerd. I feared she won't feel the same. It was Danny who said she gave me the green light, and went on to interpret what the word green light means. I had thought Danny would be right by my side when I walked down the aisle with Alberta. The day I knew everything would never be the same between Danny and me was when Sam, the boy who had also chased Alberta, broke my locker and took out my things. When I approached him, he threw a couple of heavy punches at me for asking him why he did what he did. I've never really had to fight back myself as I had Danny to do that for me always. I was surprised, I didn't even know how to fight back myself. The way Danny walked past after seeing everything that happened made my heart sink just like the Titanic ship did. I felt embarrassed and alone, and that was the day that I learned how to fight back. Danny didn't ask me about the injuries I sustained on my face, and I thought it was an oversight. And besides, he didn't know me anything. He didn't have to defend me and all that. We were going to college and I knew I had to learn how to stand alone, but I didn't know that Danny was now pure evil in disguise. He was the one that helped me pursue Alberta, but he was the one who wanted to make me lose her to Sam. It was hard to understand why he changed, or maybe he'd always been like that, but I was too in love to see it. Alberta had recounted to me how Danny had invited her out to parties that Sam organized. When she refused to honor the invitation, Danny told her to stop being loyal to those who weren't loyal to her. He went on to file false allegations against me. I didn't know which one to process first. That Danny supported Sam, my biggest bully and opponent, or how he was suddenly part of my enemies. Once, I asked him how much value he placed on friendship. He simply said, friendship is priceless, especially genuine ones. But I try not to get attached to anybody who's not family because nobody is indispensable. The words, nobody is indispensable, rang in my ears for four nights. I thought some people were indispensable to me, just like Danny and Alberta, yet they aren't family. I was shocked to realize that Danny didn't consider me family. I don't know why I attached so much prominence to our friendship or why I saw Danny the way I saw him. To be honest, he was good to me and I saw no reason why I shouldn't hold him in such high esteem. What was going to be Danny's undoing was the organized attack he and his allies launched on me. I had to see that I lost my best friend already thanks to Alberta. She helped me see that Danny had some things against me when I didn't see them, so I avoided him just as he avoided me. If only he knew I wouldn't hold back if he or anyone comes for me unjustly again, he wouldn't have been part of the fierce attack on me that led to a three days coma. Everything was perfect for the school's prom night. No one had envisaged that some group of pre-college 18-year-old students were going to launch a fierce attack on an innocent boy just because the girl they wanted wanted me instead. When Sam asked Alberta to be his prom date, she told him not to act stupid because the whole world knew she was in love with only one boy. Maybe she shouldn't have added that he could go screw himself and that he's never going to have her or touch her. 
I couldn't tell what bruised Sam's ego, but I felt that was part of it. To be honest, I was not the problem, but none of them saw it. That evening, I drove Alberta and me to the most anticipated prom night ever. It was an epic night because, as much as I hated it, there was tension in the air. Everybody had wondered who was going to steal the show between Sam and me, but hilariously, Alberta's dress stole all the show. Her red sequin dress dazzled so much when she danced. She wasn't the prom queen, but the prom queen didn't come close. I was proud when we walked in with our hands clasped together. We gave off Romeo and Juliet vibes. We were young, but our love intoxicated us like an old raspberry wine. The night I had a good chance to be entwined in a kiss with Alberta at the car park. Thank God we agreed not to rush things too much. The adrenaline that rushed within us was contained in seconds when I felt a heavy punch on my neck. I didn't see it coming as I fell to the ground, and I sprawled and groaned in excruciating pain. The state of my health didn't frighten them, as they came for me with more heavy punches all over my body, especially on my face and chest. I struggled, and I could hear Alberta's cries and pleas. She was on her knees, and I prayed so much they wouldn't touch my prom queen. I tried to fight, but when I saw Danny come towards me with more heavy punches, I lost the will to fight. I passed out right there. Sam's punches were terrible, but I couldn't withstand my best friend's betrayal. I could have been killed, and he would have been the one to cast the last stone. While I went blank, the security personnel had gotten wind of what was happening at the car park, and Alberta managed to call the police and my parents as well as hers. They didn't just come to end me, they came for Alberta too. They had ripped off the expensive prom dress already. The venom in them could take down a city. I was terrified at how much pain they inflicted on us. I was rushed to a hospital. When I got out of the three-day coma, my mom told me that I almost died. I laughed it off lightly. I told her I was a strong man. Meanwhile, the boys had been rounded up. My dad and Alberta's dad stopped at nothing until the boys were charged in court. Whether they were juveniles or not, they were involved in attempted murder and the R-word. As far as they were concerned, these boys were dangerous to society. After they returned from correctional centers, they were old enough to face their charges as our parents refused to back down, especially when I spent about two months at the hospital, and Alberta became so traumatized that she had to see a therapist. All I had to do was tell my dad to drop all the charges, but I didn't do that. The desire for revenge burned so much within me. Before we all appeared in court, I had a chance to speak with Danny. I asked him how it was possible for all the beautiful things we were to each other to fizzle away in a blink. All he could say was, I lived under your shadow. I tried so much for the world to see me, but you stole the show every darn time. Oh, I was beyond dumbfounded, but he wasn't done. He went on to say, on the football pitch, in the classroom, in the neighborhood, and even with the girls. I was shocked to hear and see that Danny had secretly wished he was me, and I never saw it all these years. The most shocking revelation was when he told me he loved Alberta too. I remember that he told me he was secretly admiring a girl at school, but when I told him about Alberta, he stopped raving about the mystery girl. He told me he began to see me as a villain that stole everything he ever really wanted. He felt resentment towards me for stealing his dream girl. When I asked him why he didn't tell me any of these things, 
maybe I could have dimmed my light a little just to save what he had. He told me that he knew that I enjoyed everything I had and all the attention I got. I stood there and wept. I felt I truly had a brother. But I didn't know that brother would watch my enemies cast stones at me. He taught me some life lessons, like when people show you who they are, believe them. Were all of the things you said about me enough to want me dead? I asked him when I couldn't talk, as I watched clouds of tears trickle down my swollen face. When he couldn't answer, I knew I wouldn't regret it if I watched him go to prison. Maybe that place would make him a better person. When Alberta acted as a witness for me, and also stood for herself, I knew a part of me might never believe in best friends forever again. Going into this, I was trying to understand how you could possibly not believe that best friends were ever possible, but when you're backstabbed like this and your trust is broken so hard, it actually became really easy to see why OP feels the way they do. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.